Okay, so we're here for episode nine of the Shellcock Podcast. I'm here with Bill Brownlee. How are you doing? I'm well, Aaron. Awesome. So Bill, as many people may know, writes concert reviews and other content at the Kansas City Star, as well as um, he makes appearances on KCUR Radio and is a pretty like OG Kansas City music blogger. You could say I'd say I'm the first Kansas City music blogger. Yes. All right. So yeah, we'll make sure to get to that. See if there was any contention there. But um, bring it. <laughs> so yeah, um, I guess we could start with when we first met. Um, is that a story you'd like to tell? I'd love to, Aaron, <laughs> uh, because I think it reflects on. Uh, on you in a, a positive light, you know, as, I think it as does for both of us. a young gritter. Uh, I was... No rich the factor. No. The, uh, I, I was working a Roy Ayers concert at the Blue Room at the American Jazz Museum, and arrangements had been made for me to get into the sold-out show. It's a small room, and... Things had gone awry, and I was held up at the door. I was texting people saying, you know, what the heck, get me in, because the people at the door weren't having it. And uh, at 15 minutes into this, this uh, kid, who I'd never seen, maybe about two years ago, maybe, (laughs) uh, walks in and says to the door people, hey, uh, I'm on the same list that Bill Brownlee's on. I'm like, what? <laughs> who who is this? You know, did the, did the star hire some uh, high school photographer? You got some intern coming with you? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it turns out that it's just uh, Aaron doing what Aaron does, which is getting into the right shows, finessing. Yeah, and uh, eventually, uh, Aaron and I were both escorted uh, back into the room by the. Uh, the CEO of the American Jazz Museum, which was nice. Yeah, no, but it was a little strange though, like going through all these hallways when it was like all, like such a small room. But she like brought us through the back way through the museum. And I'm like, what's going on right now? But yeah, that was uh, an odd choice. Mm. Uh, but it was a f- really fun show, yeah, it and uh, it was one of the highlights. Off off stage highlights was. Uh, Tyler, the creator, stopped by yeah. and was, was going uh, hyphy during the show. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I had tweeted Tyler to stop by because he was in town that night. And he replied just in all caps, like, okay. And then he just makes his way over to the Blue Room. And that was cool meeting him real briefly there. Everybody loves the sunshine. True. And, he, yeah, he said he had never seen Roy perform before. So, like, to, you know, and he, he was like a real favor to his, so that was kind of cool to see also. It was a good moment for Kansas City because not only was the, well, I mean, it's, it only holds, what, 150, but mm. not only was it full, but half the band was Kansas City musicians who were great, mm. and, uh, as well as uh, the, you know, R&B jazz legend on stage. Yeah, and I, I remember, like, like, wasn't, like, Cleaver there and, like, a bunch of other, like, a lot of dignitaries were yeah, there was, because, because everyone loves Roy Ayers. Who, it's, who it's knows yeah. whether it's you know kids who are you know you know mix DJ types or and 
old school uh, 70s people. For sure. Kind of like me. So yeah, that was a, a very fun show. We, we talked a lot about uh, Odd Future and Kanye and all that stuff. So Yeah, I brought, um, I brought my, this talisman here, this uh, Kanye uh, CD because... Good luck charm. It's my good luck charm, my comfort item, and to, just to remind me today that I shouldn't uh, shoot my mouth off like my favorite artist of the last 13, 14 years. Mm. That's good. Yeah, so he's, he's here to protect me. Is, is, would you say Graduation's a favorite of yours, the, the, be, the best Kanye album? Is that, is that I, I celebrate the entire catalog. No, yeah, you, you have to. It's, <laughs> I, mean, we could, I, I could talk easily for an hour about, uh, you know, how important each one of his albums uh, is to me, from uh, College Dropout to, what, Yeezus. Mm. And how, how many times have you seen Kanye over the years? Just two or three. Mm-hmm. But the, the last time was, well, you know, I, I'm such a fan that I bought tickets to see the tour uh, last, was that? Yeah, in December. Yeah, after he I, dropped I, it and everything. Right, so he wasn't coming uh, here to Kansas City, so I uh, was gonna. I flew to Atlanta to mm-hmm. catch the show. It was like the Saint something. Saint Pablo. Saint Pablo tour. Yeah. And uh, after I bought my tickets and booked my Airbnb, the uh, he had his meltdown, and I went to Atlanta not being able, being able to see Kanye at the the Phillips Center. But so that was. That was devastating. Mm. But the show at the Sprint Center about three years ago, the Yeezus tour, the Yeezus tour was. I wish I went to that. Like that's like one, like probably my biggest regret in life is like not seeing that show. I, it was, it was stunning, and I loved it. And in my the review I wrote for the Star went viral because my lead was something about how like it was like half full it wasn't no it was more like a quarter full yeah i mean maybe there were five thousand people there Mm -hmm. and it was i didn't understand at the moment how great it was i mean i I gave it a positive review but there's not a week that goes by that i don't think a lot about that show and how that's what an arena concert should be and how it, it, it kind of ruined everything else for me, actually, Aaron. It was, it, you know, there was a mountain. There, was, there were animals climbing up and down the mountain. There were, you know, yeah, dozens the, like of Jesus women. Came and, out. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was spectacular. Yeah, and obviously the music was amazing, and uh, Kendrick opened. I mean, it was, it was probably, in spite of the uh, turnout, maybe the single greatest and I mean greatest thing I've seen. Sorry. Getting, getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for a, a, like a, a, a video to come out. Like he hasn't mm. released. You yeah, know. you know, that's, that's kind of like, I feel like you don't even really see that as much anymore. Like concert films, like being really widely available. It's kind of it's strange. a letdown. You'd think that, I mean, that would have been perfect for uh, Tidal had. No, oh, yeah, that would have been not gone south. And it, and it could have been, like, just ripped eventually and everybody could have seen it, so... Yes. <laughs> that's that's something I would have been excited to view, for sure. Uh, but I guess we could backtrack a little bit from the, the pinnacle of your, your concert <laughs> career to um, just, like, your your first real interest in music, I guess. Um, sure. I mean, it's it's always 
since I can remember, touched me. My, I was telling Aaron before we the camera started rolling. I grew up in uh, up by the airport in Kansas City, and uh, my dad was an outlaw country guy. So he raised me on Waylon and Willie, and uh, then you know there's the Chris Christopherson and the commercial country of the time as well. You know the Ray Prices and the Glenn Campbells, but then. You know, once I got a transistor radio of my own, you know, I listened I, uh, for pleasure to uh, Stevie Wonder, Elton John. And then as, you know, when I hit puberty, it was Aerosmith and Ohio players. Mm-hmm. And when I hit junior high, I was able to see, you know, I started, had started reading music publications and I read about, in 1976, this group uh, in England called the Sex Pistols. And there's no way I was ever going to hear that anywhere. I knew that. So I went to a specialty record store. I think it was at Crown Center. Uh, and bought this 12-inch of uh, Anarchy in the UK mm. and brought it home. And I eventually wrote a, a little review for my junior high school newspaper. Uh, it was uh, Park Hill uh, Junior High. I think there's only one Park Hill Junior High at the time. Uh, but the funny part about that story was I played, I put uh, God Save the Qu- or Anarchy in the UK on my turntable mm. and mm. let the needle drop. And it was a sludgy, slow thing. I'm like, what's, what's going on? This isn't at all what I had in mind for you know, this thing called punk. And uh, I listened to it a couple of times. It didn't make any sense. So I called my friend Curtis, who lived next door, and he came over and said, hey, Bill, I know it's a 12-inch. It looks like an album, but look, it's supposed to be played at 45. <laughs> I'd ne- you know, never seen a 12-inch that played at 45, so he's like, look, dummy. And then we listened to it at the right speed. I'm like, oh, this is, this is what I've been waiting for. And that changed a lot for me. Mm. So I still always was down with Waylon Willie, still am. Uh, but that was my introduction to the underground. Mm. And um, well, you had mentioned that you, like some of the stuff you listened previously was was like Stevie Wonder. And just to note, like that was one of my favorite concerts I've seen at the Sprint Center like a year or two ago. Because, like, I don't know, that just him doing the whole album and Janelle Monet being there and the Royals, like, getting into the World Series that night, like, that was just, like, wild for me. Yeah. Were you, were you at that show? No. Oh, I'm no. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, yeah, that hurts. But, uh, the, you know, Stevie, as, as everyone says, hasn't done anything recording-wise, very interesting in a long, long time, and in your lifetime, in yeah, fact. Probably. But that doesn't change the fact that those 60s and 70s albums are, the, you know, the pinnacle of uh, popular music in the last century. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, like, what kind of, um, like, magazines and stuff were you reading when you first found out about, like, all, like, punk music and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, before... The internet, there was, even if you scrolled down to the left of the dial on the radio, you, you weren't, you know, I found amazing music left of the dial 
uh, you know, like blues and folk music and, you know, all kinds of interesting things, but, you know, nothing uh, that we'd consider truly alternative today. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, publications were your only hope and, you know, and things, I mean, I, I read like, you know, Rolling Stone and so on because that was just, you had to. Yeah. Uh, but then the the British weeklies started being made available here. Back when there were newsstands, there used to be you used to be able to go to you know the corner magazine shop and buy uh, a New Musical Express and Sounds. And then there was a publication, an American publication called Trouser Press that was was it monthly or bi monthly, and that was important. And then later on, uh, there was uh, Maximum Rock and Roll for the uh, the hardcore, you know, punk stuff. Uh, but yet you had to rely on all those things because that, that was it, you know, but uh, unless you lived in a town with a uh, college radio station, but that, that came a little bit later too. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it, like, I don't know where this really fits in like your timeline, but you, you had mentioned to me at the DJ shadow show you, we were at that, um, you got like, You'd been working at like a bluegrass festival at one point, and yeah, that well, was interesting for you. What? Yeah, I mean, the the story on that was I graduated from college in 1985, and that was the Reagan era. And I know that you know current rappers disparage you know a lot of aspects of that, but for someone like me. Uh, you know, a white guy who just graduated from college, there was just money out there waiting to be had. Uh, I could have, you know, uh, got, you know, went to work for a bank and, you know, started making really good money right then in 85, but it didn't, I wasn't feeling it. So, uh, but I was looking for work. I read a story in the Kansas City Business Journal about a guy who owned a music distribution company. Uh, it was called House Distributors. And it was the same man who also owned Penny Lane Records, one of the big local, uh, locally-based record store chains at the time. So I started, I, I started calling this guy. I called him every day for two weeks. He wouldn't take my call. Uh, finally, his secretary put him through, and he said, you know, who are you? What do you want? <laughs> I said, I want a job. And I read the story in the business journal, and... I think I could really help you out. I mean, that's 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 my passion. And he said, oh, "Okay, come in Monday. I've got a minimum wage warehouse job." And I took it. Mm. So I worked minimum wage in an unair conditioned warehouse. That was the summertime, pulling albums, you know, little you know vinyl off shelves, and boxing them up and sending them to record stores around the country. That's what uh, House did. Mm. And I was overjoyed. I thought, this is, this is fantastic. You know, even with the sweat dripping down, uh, like, this is, this is my dream. But uh, eventually, I worked my way halfway out of the warehouse, and I would take this, again, this is all pre-internet, so the orders came via the phone. There'd be sales reps mm. who would call in and say, I'm going to read you the order from Waterloo Records in Austin, Texas, or uh, Rose Records in Chicago. And I would you know, manually write down the orders, go out into the warehouse, pull them, ship them off. But 
hearing the sales rep on the other line sitting in a record store having a party with his, you know, with, with his buyers. Mm. I'm like, man, that's, that's the job I want. Yeah. Because not only are they having fun and not only are they not in a warehouse sweating, but they're making money on each one of these sales. You know, commission. They're working yeah. on commission. I'm like, that's it. So eventually I worked my way into the field as a sales rep. And uh, that, that became my career until, um, you know, the post-Napster era destroyed all that. But, so that, but that was like 15 years of my life. Doing, that's, that's about right. 15, 20 years. I was mm-hmm. uh, a sales rep for independent record labels. Uh, but early on, mm-hmm. one of the gigs that uh, I inherited was going down to uh, fill in a van with all the bluegrass stuff we had from Rounder Records, who later became my official employer, you know, Flying Fish, Sugar Hill, Rebel, all these, you know, bluegrass labels. I'd drive the truck down to Winfield, Kansas for the Winfield, uh, for the, it's called the Walnut Valley Bluegrass Festival. And I was the on-site vendor selling uh, albums to the pre-hippie era uh, you know, bluegrass fans. Was, was that a problem in the heat? You know, like, did, did, would the heat like warp the records at all? I mean, or? you can't... Back the, there was no... You, vinyl then has nothing to do with you know, vinyl now. There mm-hmm. was, it wasn't... No one talked about sound quality. Yeah. No one talked about uh, special pressings. I mean, th- those existed. And in fact, we sold uh, some of those uh, specialty labels, but... No, you keep an album out of the sun, it's going to be fine. Yeah, okay. That, that's always, like, a worry of mine, like, when, like, I have a very small, like, vinyl collection, but, like, like if it's getting too hot in my room, I'm like, oh, is this going to be bad for my records? And like, No, someone, uh, you know, who grew up on vinyl, uh, now, I just, I don't, I'm glad mm. that there are places like uh, Mills Record Company in Kansas City owned by a, a cool woman who, helps uh elevate the profile of you know uh local musicians i'm so glad that exists that said i have no interest in uh participating in the vinyl revival mm. i don't i don't yeah. i don't understand you just need the music itself and you don't really care how you get it my dream f- all this time was having instant access to all you know most of all the music that's ever existed mm-hmm. and now that that's here I'm, I think some people aren't quite grateful enough. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is this is the dream, yeah. you know. And and every Friday, being like Christmas for me, it's like all these new releases to listen to. This is the single greatest moment uh, for me as a, a music consumer uh, in my lifetime. I, and I'm, you know, if if people want to go out and buy vinyl at twenty five dollars a pop and deal with the hassle, more power to them. Mm-hmm. But th- that's that doesn't work for me. How how long ago did you realize and just get really excited about the fact that it was everything was so readily available? Well, I mean, at first I had to mourn the end of my livelihood. Yeah, you know uh, that 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 hurt. I was on a conference call at one point with twenty five sales reps for a company I work for, and one of the sales reps before the call started said, "Hey guys, there's this thing called a Napster. I just." Uh, you know, heard about it, and everyone was like, what, what are you talking about? Shut up. 
And, you know, then I think it took about three or four years for everything to collapse. Mm. And that's when I went into, uh, you know, freelance writing. Mm. I mean, that wasn't my, that's not the way I planned it, but that's, that was the transition I made. Uh, and, you know, I had several, had lots of good years uh, because I was uh, being where here in Kansas City, I was the uh, Walmart sales rep. So I was sold, you know, literally millions of, at that point it was compact discs, you know, through Walmart. And, you know, that, those, were good, those were really good years. Mm. Uh, and, you know, there are other customers in the, uh, the middle part of the country as well that were very significant. But, man, I mean, it, th- th- those, were, those were good times for me, fi- financially and otherwise. So, but yeah, when did you get to the point where you were excited about uh, like having Spotify and all that type of stuff? Oh, I mean, the, I, mean I was I, I got into like it all. Like you subscribed right away, like and all that stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, but the early streaming services. I like at one point, I think the first time I paid money for music streaming was Yahoo. Back when Yahoo was like the powerhouse, they had a five dollar a month streaming service. It was great. I, yeah. No, it wasn't. It, cell phones weren't a thing yet. Mm. You know, it was just, you know, it was still, might have even been dial-up, still dial-up, mm. uh, you know, online connectivity at the time. But, yeah, I loved it. But, um, so, yeah, uh, what was some of the, the first writing work that you ended up doing out, outside of the, the middle school paper? Oh, yeah, well, I've, I've always kind of had a side. I mean, even... Back in the early days, back when I was doing like warehouse work and mm. such, uh, I always sidelined uh, freelancing for, you know, whatever. I'm a, I mean, I'm a pretty good content monkey, and I'm very flexible. You know, I, I'm not rigid. I'll, I mean, I'll write for money. Mm. And so that always was there for me uh, as a sideline, except once b- before I started making out enough money to live comfortably. Mm. Uh, but then post Napster, when things started to go to hell in my business and I started working for smaller and smaller companies with worse and worse reputations because it was, everything was just collapsing, Mm. uh, as to, to escape from that, I, uh, started, uh, blogging, you know, just to amuse myself because I'm like, man, this is real life is getting depressing. So I started blogging and then I started uh, I, I had this blog called Happy and Bag that was kind of pre Facebook Facebook mm. and that was fun for a while and that was a thing and uh, then I don't know 12 13 years ago I started this uh, mp3 blog called there stands the glass dot com mm. but it's through Google's blogspot and that that was a fun diversion as well. I'd post a few times a week an MP3 of a, uh, you know, that was something from my own collection because I have a, a pretty big collection, uh, but something that was rare or out of print. And the, the 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 premise was you could download the MP3, but there'd be a photograph of a beverage of some kind, whether it's a Pellegrino or whatever, with the physical the physical album 
uh, in front of it, so, yeah, and then yeah. my commentary on whatever that song was and its importance to me. Mm. So it'd just be like a good pairing, you think, of music and beverages? Yeah, I mean, I at the time, I guess, you know, the, There Stands a Glass is a Webb Pierce song, an old country song, and I guess, I can't remember, but I must have been drinking a lot at the time to come mm. up with that idea, I mean, <laughs> alcohol. So that that probably played into it. Yeah. But it was a, so I did, you know, that, that was good. And incidentally, I've got to mention this because you don't know this, and I don't even, t- I haven't talked about this in a long time, but with some friends, a guy named Shannon Shalapi, who's still around in music in Kansas City, and a guy named Matt Morgus, who has since become a millionaire real estate mogul in Los Angeles. Is the, the podcast you did, right? We did it. We had a podcast. Yeah. You know that? It was called Quick Snap, and it was one of the first 100 podcasts in existence. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what we would do, we worked together at, at a crummy music distribution company, mm-hmm. and we did that to take a break. Uh, we would, on every Friday afternoon, we'd uh, go buy like a 12-pack and start drinking and record a podcast, uh, just like this, except not professional. Yeah. But um, I'm, I definitely want to get back to this, but um, what, were, do you, what were some of, like, the, the magazines and stuff you were writing for, like, when you had first got started before it started growing smaller and all that? Like, did, were you writing, like, Rolling Stone and, like, other stuff like that? Oh, no, I never... <sighs> On the music side, I, n- I don't think I was ever published by a national publication. Mm. Uh, I did some business uh, bylines and national business publications uh, that are just kind of like you know advertorial type things. Mm. But, but um, yeah, go ahead. but yeah, the, but the writing for like the Kansas City Star came about because uh, I think the editors there saw that I was, I'd started, you know, writing about the shows I was going to. Mm. And I'm, I'm a pretty good writer. And they s- took notice and said, hey, let's uh, try that guy out. So I've been freelancing for them for 12, 15 years. Mm. And, um, yeah, but what, what do you think uh, stopped you from, like, trying to, like, did you try to write for, like, national magazines and stuff? Like, or was there something that didn't appeal to you about that? No, it, no, it's none of that, really. Uh, the deal was, this is like a therapy session. This is, it has nothing to do with, uh, with uh, music, really. This mm. is uh, just my, Bill Brownlee's headspace. I'd had this career in music distribution as a sales rep, and those were good years, as I said, but I also have children. Mm. So what we did in my household, I've been married 28 years to a woman I've loved for longer than 28 years. And when things went away financially on my end, uh, she went to work full time. And I, because she'd been taking care of the kids, then we flipped. I was the primary caregiver for the kids, for better or worse. Mm. And she was working full time, so the music writing I was doing wasn't to pay the bills. It was, you know, 
that's just something I did for fun. And it's still, still kind of that way. You know, I, this is all fun for me. This is, you know, I don't take it terribly seriously. Although the music means everything to me, I don't take this, my writing seriously. Uh, there's a quote. And uh, so, my, so my wife was paying the bills. So no, I was like, I guess I could have pursued what you're saying, but I was taking care of kids. Mm. You know, I was taking care of our home. And uh, no, I, I mean, that was, I, I don't want to call it a sacrifice I made for the family because I did it, I'm, no, no regrets. Mm. And I still could do that, I guess. But I'm, I'm, between the outlets, all the outlets I have, I, I am able to put out there what I have to say. Mm. You know, I'm not holding much back. Okay. Yeah, you know, and, and and I'm the guy, as you know, in town, who's willing to go negative. Mm. I'm, you know, I as much as I, I, I'm not afraid to say when things aren't good, and I do that a lot. Yeah, because um, I know on the plastic sacks, like the tagline is like an irreverent. Like, what's the whole tagline? Yeah, it's something about like an irreverent perspective on Kansas City's jazz scene. So, yeah, I'm guessing you've you've caught some some flack before. Oh, I'm well, not... in, in like I guess in between like all of your work too, like so. Yeah, yeah. I, I started again, this all ties back to me having time on my hands when I became like a stay-at-home dad. I'm like, well, I could also after my wife gets home and we put the kids to bed, I could go out and see music. And I'm like, you know, I want to get back into, I want to catch up on the jazz scene. Oh, I didn't mention this because at one point I was also the, as a volunteer, I was a volunteer editor of the Jazz Ambassador magazine. Mm. I did that back in my warehouse days when I was working in a warehouse as just a volunteer. And so I was connected to the Kansas City jazz scene that way. And I always loved jazz because back in the 70s also, Kansas City had free all ages jazz concerts every Sunday night in the summer. And my parents were nice enough to drop me off at those shows, you know, whether they were at Brush Creek on the plaza or at Parade Park uh, in the jazz district. And that changed my life too. I'm like, oh, I love this music. But, you know, jazz has to be seen to be appreciated. And because my parents were willing to drive me to a place every Sunday and drop me off, they didn't, they had no interest in staying with me. Mm. But all, so much the better. Uh, but so I love that that music. But when I decided to get back into the scene 12 years ago, when I had time again, because I wasn't traveling on the road selling albums anymore. So I uh, was like, wait, I can't figure out what's going on. You know, there's no outlet. There's no way to see what who's playing where or even if you knew who's playing at Jardines or whatever. What, I don't even know what they sound like. So I'm like, man, if no one else is going to do this, I'll do it. So I started the site, and uh, yeah, it's become immensely unpopular. I don't mean through page views unpopular. I mean within the jazz community unpopular because, you know, I, I, I rave I, I, ecstatically about some musicians, like uh, there's a guy named Matt Otto who I think has released this year maybe the best album to come out of Kansas City in any genre mm-hmm. for five years. It's just stunning. I mean, no one knows about it. No one cares about it. The Aaron Rhodes of the world haven't 
said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on that and see what that's about. Now I will. But, uh, but for all that positive stuff I put out, I also say, you know, I, I'll, I'll write a piece saying, I went to the show and this is what, it, what went down and it was great or it was horrible. And then, oh, by the way, there were five people there. Mm. The jazz club owners and uh, musicians don't appreciate that. But I think th- that's part of the story. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, from my own perspective, I'm documenting this scene in, the, in ways that will otherwise be, you know, go unrecorded. Mm. And even if no one's reading now, and even if it makes me uh, loathed within that community now, I think it'll be valuable um, 30 years from now. Yeah, that's, people will be like, wow, there are these great shows and nobody was there. That's wild. I'm, I'm really interested in all these people. And it'll be kind of like a positive thing to an extent. So Yeah, and if and in so many cases, you know, if you'd Google just some, you know, like some album that came out by a Kansas City jazz person, doesn't matter who, I'm the one. Yeah, I'm the one. The I'm the one. Record. I'm the only reviewer, and it's a drag when that review is for me is very often negative. But I'm like, well, sorry, but you've got to. That's the way I I feel about it. And maybe you could try to find someone else to write a different kind of review. Hmm. So it's 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 very often heartbreaking. That said, there's so. I just want to. Reiterate. There's so much great stuff happening on the Kansas City jazz scene yeah. uh, musically, and that's and that's why I relish posting about it three times a week. I'm religious about that. Mm. And so yeah, you have plastic sacks that you've been doing not quite as long as um, yeah. there stands the glass. It's more than ten years though. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, it's whatever uh, ten years, uh, three times a week is that's, that's, a, that's a lot of posts. Yeah, it is. I don't need that. I'm, I'm a journalist. I don't do math. That's <laughs> yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. So tell me a little bit more about, um, there stands the glass. And so yeah, you, you were saying before to the first Kansas city music blog. Yeah. And, and has anyone challenged that over the years? <laughs> No, I mean, no. I, I, it's, I mean, it's, it's whatever. Yeah. I just, it's just, it's just a fact. I'm yeah. not, I'm not <laughs> waving a flag. It's just the truth. Uh, but you know, at some point, I, and I blame Drake. I, you know, I started getting takedown notices. Like if I, if I put up something mentioned hmm. the name Drake, I'd get contacted, and it was, it was really unpleasant. I'm yeah. like, but yeah, I'm not, I didn't post a Drake song. You know, but it didn't matter. So I stopped with the MP3s, and besides, it became pointless anyway because everything's no one wanted MP3s anymore anyway. Mm. So now I just write write it as like a it's more like a diary. It's like my own bookmark page. It's yeah. like oh, like an I aggregate. Read, yeah, it's an aggregate. I, I, it's like this week, you know, I'll say I reviewed DJ Shadow on Monday. Here's a link. I reviewed. Iron, wait, DJ Shadow, this week was DJ Shadow on Monday, Iron Maiden Tuesday. Mm. I went out to the Green Lady Lounge on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday, at some point I must have stayed home. Last night I went to the Lawrence Field Day Fest. Today, after 
Aaron and I are done. I'm going down the, to the riot room for a show. But anyway, because I won't be able to remember that yeah. next week, let alone in five years, I'll just, in, I'll say hey, I did these things. Yeah. It's, it's just for myself. I mean, you can read it or not, but it's, it really is like a diary. I reveal quite a bit there. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and every post kind of starts with like a, a paragraph or two about like what you've been doing that week and like, what you like? What music really impacted you? And what, what I'm, well, yeah, what I'm listening to. You know, you know that's part of it too. Like m- this week, it was there's this woman named Nick Acosta who fell off. I mean, just it's like what what happened? But 15 years ago, she was a thing. She was like a like a Prince acolyte, and she was touring when Prince wasn't, and kind of doing exactly the Prince thing with a full band, and she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Amazing, you know, dynamic, just like, you know, r- really heavy, sweaty R and B. Uh, anyway, she's got a new new album out that no one knows about, and it's really, really good. So today, I'm like, you know, this week I was like, I, I wrote my impression uh, about my impressions of this great new album that is totally off the radar. I mean, and but because I, it means a lot to me, and I think it's important, mm-hmm. and. Um, Maybe when it comes time to putting together like a best of list for the end of the year, I'll be like, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll look back at my own site and say, yeah, Nick Acosta. Yeah, and you do have a lot of like lists and stuff on there, like best shows, best albums, best uh, songs of the year and all yeah, that. Yeah, I don't hide from people. You know, People say, well, you just trashed for the Kansas City Star X. Well, what is it you do like? I can say it's all right there online. You can take a look at my favorite albums, concerts, and songs of every year for the last 10 years. You know, so I'm, there it is. That's what I personally like. Mm. Is, is there stuff, like, do you frequently kind of, like, go back and look at really old stuff, and you're like, oh, wow, I don't, like, I'm surprised I like that, or oh, yeah. all, I mean, all sorts of stuff like that? Yeah, of course. My tastes evolve. You know, it's funny, Aaron, because the guy, th- there's a friend who worked in a record store with me because I also did that in the eighties and uh, he's my age and he got a job, he had kids and he stopped playing music, but you know, he always had pre marriage, pre kids, he had bands Mm. and it was, you know, he was a Paul Westerberg replacements kind of guy. And he and I both liked that. That meant a lot to me as well as to him. So now I think his kids just fit his, Youngest kid just graduated from high school, so he started up the band again. <laughs> and uh, he's playing this afternoon, his first gig with this n- new band. And I listen, the album's out, and I listen to it. It's like, oh my God, he is playing exactly the same music that he played, you know, 25 years ago. Exactly. And more power to him. But man, I'm not the same person I was 25 years ago, and I don't listen to the same music mm. uh, I listened to 25 years ago. I don't even listen to the same music I listened to five years ago. You know, in spite... I don't understand... I'm not knocking my friend here, but the older I get, the more expansive my tastes are. You know, and rather than, you know, funneling inward, I... I'm more and more interested in more and more things as I age. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't, re, you know, I'm not embarrassed by anything I've listened to. In fact, I'm a, you know, I'm a generalist. I don't, 
uh, you know, I'm not a specialist. I don't, uh, you know, like some of your guests on previous podcasts, you know, they're like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm all about trap or I'm all about indie pop. Whatever, what, and, and that's cool, man. But I'm, I'm the opposite of that. I'm, I'm everything. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you and I have spoken in the past about, you know, the quote-unquote mumble rappers and all that, and it took me some time. I think one of the first conversations I had with you is like, man, I don't understand what's up with, you know, the, the Young Thugs and the 21 Savages and the Uzi Verts, mm. but all it took was for me going to those shows. And I'm like, oh, now I get it. Now, you know, seeing Lil Uzi Vert last year, it was last year at the Uptown. Yep. Like, oh, that was a transformative experience for me. Mm. It it all clicked, and I get it, and I li- and I like it now. That's good. Yeah, but it, it it so so I can embrace that. I'm not, you know, like one of these old cats who's like, oh man, if you're if you're not, you know, like a gangstar acolyte, then you're nowhere. Like, no, music changes, and I, I, I embrace it. Yeah, uh, what what have been some of like the most surprising things that you've found yourself impressed by, like just over the years of like doing concert reviews and stuff? Well, the the what I like most, I, I I'm not going to answer that question because that's <laughs> too hard. But but I'll say this: the what I like most is being at a show, whether it's a small room or a big room. That's at capacity where everyone is feeling the moment and everyone's excited to be there. Uh, whether that's Roy Ayers or whether that's, uh, you know, the teen pop band of the moment, just feeling that excitement, it is, that's, that's why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm happy to see a, a teen idol at Sprint Center because and hearing, you know, fifteen thousand fifteen-year-old girls scream, you know, that's the greatest. I because their their passion, even though it's not directed at something I'm passionate about, fills you know fills me with joy. It's like that. I never want to get away. I, I, I don't want to lose that because you know even though they're screaming at uh, you know like a third-tier Justin Bieber, mm. what's in their hearts? Is, is, is real and pure. Mm. And that's the way I might feel about, you know, a, a new, you know, a, a Matt Otto album, for instance. Yeah. You, like, you, you would go scream at Matt Otto? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, scre- I'm, scre- I'm screaming in my, uh, you know, in, in, my, in my head space. Internally screaming. Yeah, yeah. So that, those are the shows that mean the most. And mm. that's why you and I spoke before the camera started rolling, but I'll say it on camera. I uh, went to uh, this thing called Lawrence Field Day Fest yesterday, and yep. I've got the tags on because I paid for the pass with my own money. Mm. And because it wasn't working, I, uh, I just t- did it for myself. So in case you want to go back. You'll in case I want to go back yet. tonight. And the, you know, this festival has, they say, you know, more than 100 acts, three days, eight venues, I think. Yep. And Aaron, last night, uh, I... Every venue I went to was empty, and it didn't matter how good the music was on the stage, really, because there was no one there to share, you know, there's no energy, mm-hmm. you know, and 
it's almost impossible, I think, to have a memorable, positive, you know, uh, concert-going experience when the room's empty and the guys on stage, the gals on stage are looking at an empty room. You know, so it was, it was I mean, it was a drag. It was a real mm-hmm. bummer. And it made me feel impotent, too, because I'd previewed uh, the, the event for the star, and one of the, one of the uh, acts I featured in my preview, uh, I went to that showcase, and there were, it was, I mean, it was on the main stage, and there were less than 25 people there, and it was embarrassing. You know, it made me feel like I wouldn't call myself a tastemaker, but you call yourself a tastemaker. It's Maybe. like the tastemakers have no clothes. You know, we're powerless because this event had been uh, promoted heavily on a lot of, uh, you know, significant outlets, and yet no one was there to see these locally-based artists. Uh, really, it hurt my feelings and depressed me. Damn. But um, so... E- you, have you not had like many experiences where like I, I feel like you you always meet people and they'll be like oh yeah I saw this band and it, there was ten people there but it was the most amazing show I've ever been to like you don't have do you not have many shows that are like that for you yeah I mean I go to shows with you know the, you know of all stripes mm-hmm. uh, with but with some packed some not so packed uh, but. The show, like the Kanye West show, for instance. That, I mean, that's a good example. Yep. That was, like I said, the greatest thing I'd ever seen. But the arena was at a quarter capacity. But the spectacle was so great that everything around you melted away because yep. it was it was immersive. You know, it was like a ride at Disneyland or something. Uh, so I guess in that sense, that the audience didn't factor into it. And I don't even think that, there were never breaks between songs. It was. Uh, like a symphony or something, you know, the way he, uh, the way he put it together. Uh, yeah, man, I, I've seen, you know, I mean, it, it depends, it depends to some extent on the artists. Like, um, I'm really into the, the Minneapolis scene, whether it's, uh, the Rhymesayers artists or the, the Doomtree artists, uh, out of Minneapolis, and I've seen some of those rappers uh, and producers, DJs, play to sparse. Oh, yeah, I was, I was at the last POS show in Kansas City. Like that wasn't an awful turnout, but it like it could have been much better. But see, POS, yeah. POS is a good example, and that Steph is able to engage yeah. with people in the room. He he looks people in the eye. He will you know physically touch them uh so he's capable of you know getting past uh an obstacle like low attendance mm-hmm. but that's that's the exception rather than the norm in in, in my experience mm. uh but kind of speaking on the the teen idol aspect of some of the shows you had to, i remember seeing an article i think you wrote uh, it was called like it's okay to like the 1975. Oh, was that yeah. you? Yeah, that was me. So yeah, like that—that's one of the first things that pops up on Google when you're like Bill Brownlee, Kansas City Star. Like I think <laughs> that's up there as long as well as um, the feedback to your Van Halen review. <laughs> so like, are, is are those a couple of the the biggest 
uh, things you've. Oh, that's funny. I don't. I don't Google myself, <laughs> and the the and I don't read comments. Mm. I mean, because I my my thin my skin isn't thick enough to yeah. uh, deal with it. I've had that problem. <laughs> but but the uh, the yeah, I mean, nineteen seventy five. I'm like, yeah, that's just really really good pop music, mm. and. And you and I had a disagreement at the DJ Shadow show where I was saying, hey, man, this One Republic show I reviewed, it was so good, and I loved it, and I did love it. I mean, that's not necessarily what I listen to for pleasure, but hearing the guy who wrote Halo for Beyonce play Halo and having 10,000 women sing along to it, I mean, that was, I, I, I felt that, you know, that, that, was, that, was, that was magical. No, no irony, you know, yeah. I, I really was down with that. Uh, so with the 1975, same thing, man. It's, it, I, I'm glad that that music makes so many people happy, and I, I understand why. Mm. And I'm good with that visually and, uh, and musically. Yeah, the Van Halen stuff, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't, the, the funny part, to, I, don't, I don't engage in that discussion because I don't understand it. I, I, I reviewed a Van Halen concert, and I slammed David Lee Roth. I'm like, man, this is... It just didn't work at all, you know. He's he his voice is gone, and you know. And I think I might have said Sammy Hagar was you know better, or I think I said maybe I said he should have. Uh, maybe if they had uh, background singers, that could help some. But I didn't think anything of it. So what? It's Van Halen. It's whenever I wrote that 2015. Who cares? Yeah. Well, turns out people care a lot. <laughs> Um, so no, I know Sammy Hagar though played Rockfest this year. Is that something you attended? Yeah, I, re- I reviewed that. Yeah, and uh, how was he? I would have gone. I like see. I'm. He was great. Yeah. Are you kidding? It was he had the the Van Halen bass player. He had. Uh, wait, was it? I can't remember who the drummer was. Oh, it was uh, Jason Bonham, oh. uh, for John Bonham's son from Led Zeppelin on drums. Dang, it was yeah, it was great. Mm. I mean, it was. It wasn't significant musically. It didn't. It was just a party, you yeah. know. What, was it all Van Halen tracks or? What, no, what it was. was he he, uh, he started in the seventies with um, Montrose, so we played a Montrose song and what chair? What's that song like? Sugar Cherry. I, uh, no, yeah, but all, everything he did, he, he had a band called Sugarfoot. Is that right? I don't. I don't even know. But yeah, he played his whole his whole career. It was. It was it was good, and he mm. played. Uh, they did Zeppelin. They did, uh, man, it, maybe some Hendrix. It was just fun. Mm. But yeah, it's yeah that that, that was good. The, it, it's interesting that uh, this year's Rock Fest was uh, the Speedway. It, it was at the Speedway, but you know they they kind of backtracked. I guess this ninety eight nine the Rock slight, you know tweaked its format, so now it's more of a heritage, mm. as much a heritage heritage station really? as it is a. You know, Stone Sour, you know, Metallica type station, and it was it made for a good show because it was a lot of older acts like a Rat. Mm. It was fun. I, I liked it a lot. You don't like that? That doesn't bother. Like I feel like One Hundred and One does a really good job of covering that part of the radio. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like you would want something that has a lot of active bands. But I think here we go. This is. Kanye, help me. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of 
interesting or compelling mainstream rock being made right now. Oh, yeah, definitely not. But And yeah. so the the station's compelled to go backwards because there's not... There's no there's no new Guns and Roses right now, yeah. so I mean what what else are they going to do? Uh, I mean it's a challenge. I'm, it's a drag that there's no. I I, I I like straight ahead rock. They could just dig deeper. That's the thing. Like they could give airtime to like more underground type bands. I feel like, and it might be able to work out. I know you're into that uh, Dallas uh, punk band uh, th- that. Like open for uh, Slayer uh, last year, Slayer Dallas. Uh, they, I think it was a Bill Slayer uh, and Lamb of God. Oh no, it was uh, Anthrax and Lamb of God. Power Trip. Oh yeah, Power Trip. Yeah, Power Trip is amazing. But Oof. but I know I know you're down with it. But the, yeah. for my taste, the mm. songs aren't quite there. I don't mind the attack, but I just I just want uh, tighter songs. Yeah. It's more radio-ready type stuff I mean, when you're wh- on the radio. Yeah, why not? Okay. Um, so, no, yeah, uh, you, you've have you been to Rockfest a lot over the years? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, wa- I want to hear your personal Rockfest history because, like, I know, you, you, you know, you're an honest reviewer, and if it's a good show technically, you'll give it a good review, like, as you should. So, like, I want to hear the perspective, like, a very, uh, yeah, just your personal perspective. No, I mean it's it's you know it's Rockfest is a radio station sponsored event that's billed as the the biggest one day rock co- festival in the rock country, country yeah. uh, rock festival in the United States yeah. and yeah so it's it's a big scale event and no it's but it's for most people it's it's their annual it's a social thing you know yeah. you go to be with your people mm. and as much as taste makers would like to uh, pretend otherwise. Kansas City is a hard rock town. It's a classic rock town, and it's a country mm-hmm. town. You know, every Thursday night, there's a concert at the par- in the Power Line District that draws 8,000 people in the summer. 8,000 people every the, Thursday night. The hot night. country nights. That thing, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what this town is, as well as a one-day blowout where you can buy, you know, relatively inexpensive beer and drink, drink it in the sun mm-hmm. for hour after hour. No, I mean, it's that I guess, Aaron, the novelty of seeing shirtless people covered in vomit passed out on the ground, <laughs> you know, it, th- that's gone for me. So I don't even notice it anymore. I'm just, and maybe that's, maybe I should get back to writing about that. And, uh, so, and, and, so you think it, your, your, your view has kind of evolved over the years of like just looking at the spectacle of it versus focusing on the music? Yeah, I didn't think this, I don't think I wrote about vomit or topless women this year at all. <laughs> you know, it's because it's, it, that gets all, you know, I try yeah, not, I try not to repeat expected. myself. I, I try to keep it fresh. Yeah, people, people know by now. Yeah. So what, what have been your favorite uh, performances you've seen there over the years? Uh, the... Oh, the uh, yeah, my favorite probably was, uh, on terms of main stage names, was uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, yeah. Gave a mm. really freaky show, uh, and Scott Weiland uh, was behaving uh, aberrantly, and it was, it was strange and weird and cool in a rock and roll sense. Mm. Not how long ago was that one? Um, I don't know, six, seven years. He died... I can't even keep track of yeah, people like dying a anymore. A year or two ago, I think. Yeah, so, but yeah, he was, he had that whole 
sort of Damocles thing going on mm. then, as he did most of his career. So that, that was the one. I always like, uh, the, for my own taste, the, the, the southern rock boogie bands. I think that always works well live. Like the, this year, I think my favorite set might have been uh, Blackstone Cherry. Mm. Just s- southern rock, you know, post is easy top stuff, mm. because that works in the sun, and that works with alcohol and all that. Did you, were you there last year, though? Last year, I attended my daughter's college graduation out of town. Okay, that's so that was the show I missed. <laughs> but wait, did you did you read about that show, Rockfest that year? You'll have to remind me. I can't it, remember. I well, I only saw like three bands that day. I saw Ghost, which I was excited about. Like that was pretty much the reason I was there. But um, I saw. I think I saw Seven Dust also. But I was just kind of hanging out. But. Hell yeah, the band like it's the drummer of Pantera, right? Vinny, that band like had a freak out on stage after one song because like I think the bass wasn't working and like they like uh, I think they pretty much threw their stuff down and walked off the stage for like a few minutes after their first song or two, and then they got back out and they were like, oh, we're pissed off and <laughs> like that was just, like that was actually like look like looking back I was like. I'm I'm kind of <laughs> I think that was fun to watch, but <laughs> as as frustrating as that could have been for a lot of people. But I mean, as a reviewer, you, you, I'd never want to see anyone get hurt. No, All right, right. so I'll make that clear. Thanks, Kanye. <laughs> that said, you know, there's something in the back of my head that's always hoping for some kind of artist meltdown or <laughs> some kind of you know complete disaster somehow because it's it's. Interesting. Yeah, and you then know. and then you're writing kind of like a part of history at some extent, and then like and and you just go to like five shows a week and you see like good performances, you know, okay performances, but you don't like it's it's not usually something just really out of the ordinary. I guess I guess that's probably where that come from. You always remember the disasters, you know. Like when I was a kid, I, I must have been with my dad. I went to a Hank Jr. concert, Bocephus, and he fell down and didn't get up, you know. And I, I remember, it's like, yeah, that was, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, I've also seen uh, Hank 3 uh, have an onstage tantrum within five minutes of hitting the stage, and then... And it's all these country rockers. <laughs> uh, the only time... The question I usually get is, are you ever afraid, Bill? Because I do all kinds of shows, like, like you do, you mm-hmm. know. I... I and you know some of them, you, I guess, would be considered unsavory. And no, my answer is no. I'm never afraid, except at country concerts, especially all-day country concerts where there's been lots of drinking. Uh, I reviewed a, an Alan Jackson concert several years ago, back at his peak, and I wore a pink shirt. I don't, I don't know if I was trolling or what, but that turned out to be a really bad idea. Oh. Wow. Yeah, n- not good. Mm. Um, so I guess I want to get to a little bit of what you do at KCUR, because h- how long have you been working with them? Um, a few years. You know, they started inviting me on to do, like, uh, you know, year-end music roundup type things. And uh, for a few years now, I've had a weekly segment in which I feature a locally-based artist play their 
music, talk about it with uh, Steve Kraske, the host on uh, KCOR Up to Date, and uh, highlight a concert that's coming up or a show of some kind. I do that every week, and it's a lot of fun. And I am, do some insane things. Like this week I played uh, Mike Dillon, who doesn't live in Kansas City anymore, but you know he's a noise jazz guy. So I played, you know, there are a couple minutes of noise jazz that got on the air this week. That yeah. was fun. Any anytime you can expose uh like public radio folks to weird stuff is always exciting, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a thrill. So but but I you know, feed also feature, you know, classical stuff and you know, pop stuff. Uh you know, as as I said earlier, I'm a generalist. But the station also lets me uh write extensively and for instance, I have what, as far as I know, is the only critical, semi-scholarly examination of Rich the Factor. Yeah, ooh, that's that's good. I I, I need to get around to reading all of that, but it's a it's yeah. a long think piece. But you know, some you know, if you caught me, if Kanye wasn't here, I'd say that the the two Kansas City artists that matter in terms of being popular and critically important are. Tech Nine and Rich the Factor, but outside of Bill Brownlee and Aaron Rhodes, I don't know that Rich gets any attention outside of his fan base at all. Yeah, but I think he's he's critically important to what this city means. In fact, I think Rich the Factor probably represents is most emblematic. His music is most emblematic of Kansas City. Uh, in 2017, and well, actually, for the last 10 years, Rich's music is what this town is, and that's not a ringing endorsement of Kansas City at all. But he is the sound of what's actually happening on the streets. Hmm. And I don't know, like, how closely you're following, like, a lot of other Kansas City hip hop artists, but at least like a very small handful of the ones that I've been covering for like the last year or so, like do share a lot of like traits and elements of Rich's music and like whether they kind of realize it or not, like they're kind of part of that lineage, I think. Yeah, that's good to hear. And I need you to, you know, take me aside and say, Bill, listen to this guy. Because I don't, I try to follow a lot of what you recommend, but, Sometimes I can't keep up because you you are also very prolific. Yeah, and so yeah, if if you could kind of like put that uh, rich the factor piece into like you know just a gist statement like well I know you said it represents Kansas City in a very broad way but yeah what I else mean, makes um, him interesting to you? Well, he writes about you know the his you know it's it's street music about the criminal underworld and you know he raps in code and he's got this distinctive midwestern twang and you know it's kind of you know uh, i need kanye to help me out here but it's 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 under the influence music yeah thanks kanye <laughs> and uh but you know he it's it's you know about how the the drug trafficking works mm-hmm. you know and he he'll go down in some of his tracks you know block by block he'll name he'll name them and cite them and you know and reference drug houses and so on 
uh, it's it's terrifying and upsetting. But because he has this Oakland groove to it, and it's really murky, uh, it it's eminently listenable for someone with tastes like ours. Mm-hmm. I think. And um, what was it? And is is part of that code like? I, I've only listened to, like, a handful of his albums, but you you do notice, like, these weird kind of themes and, like, like like he'll, he's talking about whales all the time and, like, his, his like, all, all of his album titles are just really strange, too. Like, he, he, one from this year is, like, the Avocado Mixtape. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's, I mean, they, it all has meaning. It's just yeah. not gibberish, yeah. you know, and I've... From time to time, I'll hang out at 7th Heaven, the venerable record store on Troost, and talk to the, the buyer there uh, and say, can you just break this some of these things down for me Because when I can't crack the code? Mm. And I usually regret doing that because it's, it's not pleasant usually. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if anyone is not in the know, Rich the Factor is... Like, you know, yeah, he's just highly overlooked, I guess, too. There's another new one out, what, two weeks ago. Yeah, like uh, 10 hundred? Yep, keeping it thou wow. <laughs> Man, I'm still catching up on the, the last year of albums. So. There were three or four last year. Yeah, I think, I, I think I've heard like two Be- or three. Because he was incarcerated. It's just like Gucci. Mm. You know, but so he, get, you know, he gets out, and he's kind of a new guy. There's a new energy to the music, mm. and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time to be one of the, I don't know, 50,000 Rich the Factor fans. Mm. And, yeah, you were at the Lil Wayne 2 Chains show that Rich opened? Yeah, that yeah. was weird seeing him in uh, in an arena. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be cool. Like, that was probably, like, the biggest show you've seen him. Like, how many times have you seen him? Uh, he, uh, three or four. Mm. And it's always weird and strange. And he is, the small. that's a good example of the smaller the room, the more exciting it is mm. because he's got this uh this aura about him that it, it, i mean it's menacing and strange and he even though he's an instagram freak uh which is unfortunate there's an air still an air of mystery about him mm-hmm. and um yeah because yeah uh are some of the small like where are some of the smaller shows you've seen him at like because i i i'll see him like like I've seen a couple shows advertised for him, like at Aftershock and Merriam, and the tickets are like forty dollars. I'm like, that could be cool, but like I'm not trying to, you know, wait till like one a.m. and pay forty bucks. So, is, are those some of the type of shows? You've yeah, seen him at? stuff like that. And it is because he he can command those prices, and plus it's like, uh, you know, because he raps about money you know the the fact that you can buy a 40 dollar ticket to get in puts you in that little club you know yeah. so that that's what that's about mm. and and some of those shows have been pretty fun to yeah, watch yeah i mean it's yeah it's 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 brief and it's weird but it's just yeah, but it's no different see he's just like a lot of these kids like uzi in the sense that he you know his it's 20 minutes but it's an exciting 20 minutes um, so, yeah, so, um, Rich, Rich is, Rich and Tech are some of your favorite, like, local hip-hop acts, and... Yeah, I mean, I have a strained relationship with Tech, mm. like, I mean, Tech can feel free, or, uh, 
Travis can feel free to correct this, but they read your I, stuff. I suspect. Oh, well, I, I've reviewed tech 15, 20 times. Mm. Well, probably more if you count albums and shows. But I am. I like to think that Fragile, uh, the disc track to critics, is directed at me. Yeah. The track with Ken- Kendrick Lamar, because I don't know who else it would be about. Mm. Because I'm the guy who reviews his shows. Yeah. I'm the guy who reviews his albums. And they make it clear that they're not always happy with my perspective. Okay. So, but but you would still consider yourself a fan of him, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Tech's a genius. Mm. Travis is a genius. I'm an enormous fan. Yeah. And the most recent Tech Nine show I saw maybe a month ago was one of the best because they upped the ante on the production. Mm. It was really cool. What venue was that one at? Midland. Midland. And it wasn't quite sold out, which they won't like me saying, but... No, oh, yeah, I read your review. You said you know, like you were just very impressed by like all the stage work and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they his shows break down at the end, and it gets dumb. Do, but, do, are they too long, or does it just not quite? Is it not quite cohesive? But it's it's the right length that it should be. Uh, they the first forty five minutes of this last show were spectacular, as good as anything short of Kanye or Jay. Or or peak Lil Wayne, because Lil Wayne had a moment where his shows were amazing. Yeah, I guess the the one at the Sprint Center most recently was kind of toned down for him. I guess. Yeah, there was that, I mean, that was uh, like super fun for me though. I love. Cool. I'd never seen him. So they the, he he was on for sure, but he used to have all the bells and whistles. Yeah. And that was like a week after he ha- like he passed out on the airplane, and oh, that was crazy for me. I'm like, this show's gonna be canceled. Like. Like I didn't think it was going to happen. Wayne, I, I'm I could talk about Wayne for hours. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, Wayne was really important to me in a lot of ways. But but anyway, mm. t- tech yeah. tech. Oh yeah. So the 45 minutes. These they've got it's 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 like clockwork. It's really cool. And then they uh, say, okay, that's all the real show we have. Now we're just going to screw around for 45 minutes, and it's it's just like uh, hanging out like in a post show locker room which I guess is fun for some people. And I guess maybe if I drank when I worked, I guess maybe I'd like it. Mm. But no, I don't do either one of those things. I feel like if, if you, if he would have maybe like, if he relegated that to like the actual encore, maybe that would be a good setting for that. But you just kind of wish it was more theatrical throughout. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, he does it by choice. I mean, it's not, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're really smart guys, but I'm never going to be down with an artist wasting the time of people on stage just doing shots and uh, talking about women in ways that, you know, I mean, just, I'm not against guys doing that, but doing that in front of 2,000 people uh, is is awkward, I think. Mm. Yeah, no, because I remember when he was opening the Lil Wayne Two Chains show, like he had the whole he had there was like I want to say it was two minutes where he was about to do the song Areola, and he just was like asking every woman in the arena, like this like somewhat of a family establishment to be like lifting their shirts up. I'm like, this is 
very awkward for me to be witnessing. I feel like I this should be happening at Rockfest. But Rockfest was a great setting for him. Probably I wasn't there. Were you there to see yeah, him at Rockfest? That was good. And he belonged there and it's it's he should be there every year. Yeah. And I was hoping for his sake and for the sake of Rockfest that they'd put him on as a as the headliner mm. instead of Godsmack, instead of corn, instead you know having Technon be the headliner would be so cool. Yep. And he, the year he was on the bill, he was great. And he had, you know, and he had a live band with him. It was, it was all good. Tech is, is a genius. I'm a huge mm. fan. Okay. We'll pass on all the rest of Tech Nine right now. But, um, what, what has really piqued your interest, um, like punk and hardcore wise in Kansas City that you've covered and seen before? I don't know. It's a deafening I, silence. <laughs> yeah. Like I saw I saw a punk band yesterday and I didn't care for it, don't want to talk about it. Um I went to a show that you wrote extensively about and documented at the Encore Room. Yeah, Pure Disgust. And yeah, Pure Pure Disgust was the headliner and Another twenty-minute band, but mm-hmm. I I loved it. And uh, the the local openers, uh, two of the three I saw, had did it right, and I liked it. See, what I what I like about rock and roll, Aaron, is when when there's a sense of danger, when there's when it's menacing, when things seem as if they're about to fall apart at any moment. Mm. I, I derive great pleasure from that. So whoever the two th- of the three, like, I know you saw Blindside USA and yeah. Drippies, I think. Yeah, but. and those and there were kind of messes in a good way, you know. And mm. yeah, so yeah, I I'm down with that. But I don't do, you know. The truth is, I don't even know where uh, some of the underground places you go mm. to several times a week even are. Yeah. And uh, maybe, but I, that's not saying I'm not down uh, for the opportunity to go and mm. you'll just have yeah, to I'll invite you out you'll have to t- like like you wrote I, I read what you wrote about something was it last night yeah, you, um, you were talking about how a, a band a band from Texas was doing this avant-garde jazz stuff oh yeah uh, American Hate from Oklahoma oh Oklahoma yeah. and I'm like damn it I, I that sounds like my thing yeah that was really cool I like I didn't even I wasn't even expecting that because uh before like all the times I'd seen them like I think maybe the first one or two times I'd seen them, it was just pretty straightforward, like really tough hardcore punk stuff. Like kind of like almost like like this is maybe stretching it, but like but there aren't bands of this caliber, but like they're pretty much Oklahoma's version of the Dicks. Like yeah. it's just really tough, punishing hardcore punk stuff. So um, that that's that was kind of their thing before, and they still have a lot of elements of that. But then like. I I think I kind of caught them in like a transitional period too because I went down to see them at a fest in Oklahoma and then they played Kansas City right after that fest and like both of those they would they were covering like Rolling Stones and stuff like that and that was cool to see but so now they've kind of like they have an LP that's out like this summer and I think you'll probably that's probably where the the jazz elements are gonna come into effect so that's yeah that's a really exciting band right now. Excellent. So I'll, I'll make like I'll, I'll keep in mind that um, if there's a, a, a punk band coming through that has like some strange, 
cool element to it. I'll I'll, I'll shoot being the invite. Yeah, so. I don't I don't mind being the oldest person in the room. Mm. In fact, well, I think that's a badge of honor. Well, well, the star mind though, if you're like writing about super small shows all the time, because I can I imagine like they want you at bigger shows, so like more people are reading. Do you think? Oh that's yeah, a- no, it's it wouldn't be like as as you know of the. I've gone to six. I would have gone six out six nights this week, mm. but I'm only being paid to go to two of them. Okay. So no, I I'm not. You you would just blog I, about it. Yeah, at that point. yeah, or just go. I yeah. mean, I I can't even blog about you know, write extensively about everything I see. But mm. yeah, I, for sure, I, I'm. I. Uh, I go out. That's what I do. And that's one reason I look like I do. You know, people say, what the heck, what's wrong with you, man? I'm like, this is what you look like when you go out several nights a week for, you know, 25 plus years. So you're looking at your future right now, Aaron? <laughs> no, it's a good look. <laughs> um, so uh, you mentioned uh, to me at the DJ Shadow Show that... Um, you kind of were in like a rut, like writing wise. Is that something that you've come across uh, before, yeah, like more frequently? Yeah, sometimes it's just a natural thing. Uh, I can't believe you said that. So you don't you need you, you need your own I'm, Kanye. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if if you no, it's, it's if cool. You it's cool. No, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it. Sometimes I, I, I get those too. Yeah, you, you know, you're in a groove and things come naturally, and sometimes. They don't. Sometimes it's difficult. Mm. I mean, writing's hard, and I take great pride in what I write. And very often, I'm not happy when, especially when I'm writing for money. There's a deadline, and you know, sometimes I only have you know sixty minutes or less to to knock out a review that'll be read by tens of thousands of people. And sometimes I don't quite capture the gist of what, what I want to say, or I don't think I get to the essence of the, the show. Mm. And it, it, it makes me, it, I don't feel good about that. And so at the DJ, sh- I, I think my, so I'd, I'd been in this thing for a couple, and sometimes you don't feel good, you know, physically you don't feel good, especially as you learn when you get older, uh, or you've got stuff going on in your life that's distracting you from your work. Uh, so I hadn't really been happy with what I'd written for a couple weeks or more, but I thought my DJ Shadow Show, even though I wrote it in 45 minutes, was good. I wrote, I think, a really good, in terms of writing, a uh, good review of Iron Maiden this week. That was pretty good. So I think maybe I'm back on track. You're back on the horse. <laughs> no, but what do you think makes a really great uh, concert review or write-up, in your opinion? I mean, I think... That's the question, isn't it? That's a good question. Uh, it's it's the obligation of the writer. Well, it depends on the... First of all, it depends on who you're writing for. Mm. Writing for the Kansas City Star is one thing. Writing for the pitch is a, a totally different thing. Uh, writing for uh, maximum rock and roll is another, right? But writing for a mainstream publication like I do, for instance, uh, you know, I want to convey... I want to be honest to the you know people who were there. What, how many people were there? How did they respond to the show? Did the the person or the people they paid to see fulfill the expectations? And then provide for the reader who doesn't know who the artist is, who wasn't at the show, 
explain to them what it was, what the, what's significant about it, why did this happen, what does it mean, what does it mean, mm. you know. So, for instance, in uh, the show that the review I didn't like last week uh, of my own uh, One Republic, the pop band, I wanted to convey the sense that pop music even when it's trifling and doesn't mean anything, can be enormously important. It can, be, uh, it can provide just the same amount of tr- spiritual transcendence as something that's important, because One Republic isn't important. But I just couldn't quite, I don't think I, I, don't think I nailed that uh, idea. But I, I try to add some new elements so that someone who is reading the review that doesn't know or care about what I'm writing about still wants to read what I'm writing because they know I'll drop something interesting into it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's a, yeah, I think that's something that should be aimed for as, as any type of like really any type of, you know, a writer with an opinion. So, um, so yeah, what, uh, you're you're the first guest I've had that's brought a list of things of potential topics. But is there anything that you think uh, I missed or that you wanted to mention? No, I'm I'm looking now, going down my little list. My my uh, friends who can get away with it call me Rain Man because I have a little Aspergery element uh, to me, make, making notes and preparing and showing up early. That's all part part of that syndrome. Uh, no, I, uh, I'm here, I'll just say this, I'm here because as young as you are, you, I I, I wanted to pay tribute to you because you're much further along at 20, 20, at 20 than I was at 20, and you're not limited in your scope. Uh, and at some point, you will be raving about, you know, the Matt Otto of 2040, you know? And I think, I think that's important. I, I want to show... I, I'm here because I want to demonstrate my appreciation of what you do and my support of what you do. Because I think documenting things, like as we both do, is is essential and doing it for the right reasons is essential i mean you know i'm sure one day you'll be you know uh you know the the shane smith what's the, the guy the vice guy yeah. is the name shane smith you'll be a shane smith someday but even if you're not it doesn't matter you know because you're you're doing it the right way for the right reasons and i respect that so it's it's against my nature to uh be visible as I am right now. Mm. It's totally out of character, but I'm doing it because of the respect I have for you. I, I really appreciate that. I don't think I can say enough. Um, so, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we wrap up? No. Cool. Uh, so, um, just as a reminder to anyone listening, they can go to shuttlecockmusic.com. There's the store on there. That's the best way to support the podcast and the website. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and leave ratings and share episodes that you enjoy. 
Um, and there's the Mills Record Company show on August 4th that Shuttlecock is putting on. It's uh, Primitive Future, Itty Vice, Tommy Strasser, and Solomon. So there's death metal, hip-hop, and indie rock on there. Uh, it's 6 p.m. free all ages at Mills Record Company, August 4th. And uh, Shuttlecock, is, the podcast is part of the ADD podcast family. So check for new episodes from Jason Barr. And I think that's all I have for today. I appreciate you coming out, Bill. Glad to be here. Mm.